I'm here. I'm here. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome to the What's Right Show Thursday, uh, 1 o'clock here in studio, live and local. Um, tomorrow, I just want to get this bit of business out of the way. Tomorrow, I will be uh, in person at the Greek Food Fest, 1 to 3, broadcasting uh, from there. Uh, Alan Stock will be with me. A little bit of a different program, but if you love Alan, which I do, and we always get along very well and have great discussions, uh, we're going to have, I believe even the lieutenant governor is going to stop by, so we'll be talking to him. Uh, so we'll, it's going to be a fun day. So I hope you can, at the very least, listen tomorrow, 1 to 3, and uh, if you can, come by and visit us. All right. Now, I oftentimes find myself with a completely different take on events than mainstream conservatives. And one of the things I know, I'm going to get to the Hunter Biden indictment. I'll I'll go there. Some local stuff going on. We've got this major hack. Uh, MGM's affected by it. Caesars is affected by it. Uh, It's shutting things down, crippling uh, crippling the strip. There's also an implication there seems to be some private data that's leaked uh, been lost and compromised. So I'll get into that a little bit. But I, I want to talk about this this fight over McCarthy's speakership. Because I'm, I mean, even people I respect are, are have got this all wrong. Now, if you'll recall, let's go back. And, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically Matt Gates uh, is leading a small group of Freedom Caucus Republicans who are threatening a no-confidence vote on McCarthy. And the way this was initially reported was that it was, it, was, it was just about impeachment. And I think that's a very narrow view of this because overall, there are members of Congress here who are they're upset about other things too. They're upset about a financial side of things. They're upset about spending. They're upset about, well, let's say term limits. Other issues, things that were part of the original compact, the deal that McCarthy made with these members in order to secure their votes and get the office. Now, before I tell you and we get into all of this, let me, you got to understand, we are, unlike Europe, unlike a lot of other parliamentary democracies, we are a representative democracy and there's something unique about the U.S. in the sense that we are a two-party country. We're a two-party political system. And you hear a lot of people grousing about it as being a problem. And I, from time to time, give my uh, endorsement of the two-party system in that I have seen what happens in Europe. I've seen what happens when you have a fractured coalition of odd bedfellows getting together, forming a government. You've got, you know, conservatives, let's say, and you've got some green people that come into the party. So you, you, you get held hostage by these minority forces within the government that exact a minority radical agenda because as a condition of participating in a coalition government, because, you know, no party gets a majority, so they have to form alliances, Right. With, with these parties that have 2%, 3% of the votes in order to pick up a handful of seats. 
So you get some very strange, you know, majorities put together, cobbled together by people who are oftentimes ideologically very opposite of each other. And in order to secure their participation, these minority groups say, we demand X, Y, and Z. And the coalition, the, you know, the, the, the prime minister has to honor that. If he doesn't or she doesn't, they simply say, all right, we're out. And, it's, and all of a sudden they lose their majority and, and a new parliamentary vote is called. That's how Europe, a lot of European countries function, for example, and it is a disaster. This is why when you look at Germany and you look at, give Germany as an example, the Green Party is always the party that gets invited into the coalition, and they're the ones that seem to get their agenda enacted more often than any of the other parties because they come in with a very simple thing, shut down nuclear energy. And all of a sudden, the entire existence of the modern German state is, is dependent on this fringe group, although they're not that fringe, they get a fair amount of votes, it dependent on them in order to form a majority coalition, a ruling government. Now, we here in the U.S., I think, are a little more superior to this in the sense that we sort out our squabbles internally within the context of these two parties. And I have many conservative friends who broadly disagree with me on this point. They don't think that the two-party system is all that great. But I, I, in this context of guaranteeing a, a stable and ruling government that isn't held to the mercy of the whims of a minority is, I think, uh, has some benefit. Now, the fight here with McCarthy is over issues that are of deep importance to me, and I believe of deep importance to you. For example, I would say one of the top reasons why people vote for congressional Republicans is because they want to put some limits on spending. We vote for Republicans because we want a balanced budget. So you can imagine the frustration of people that vote for Republicans time and time again, put them in office, put them in Congress, only to have Republicans fold over and over and over again on spending. It's frustrating. The other issue, of course, I think historically, and now I'm going back decades, is immigration. We get frustrated by that too, don't we? Again, we send our local representatives, our senators, to the Hill, to Congress, to go and serve the country, and they promise us on a stack of Bibles what they're going to do about immigration, what they're going to, about legal immigration, what they're going to do about securing the border, all that stuff. They get into office and do nothing. In fact, Trump's efforts to secure the border, I think, uh, roundly described as a failure overall, right, compared to what, what, what he wanted to do, and, and he was his top impediment when he came into office was a Republican congressional majority. Wrap your heads around that one. So I look at this speakership battle as a very important moment in the Republican Party because Republicans have, Republicans like McCarthy, they've got this block in their heads that believe that they need consensus and go along, get along. They need to be, there's no rancor or discontent in the ranks. They've got to maintain their party unity. 
But in order to get that party unity, they're willing to give up party principles. And I'm a principles first kind of guy. That's my bias. I happen to think that we as Republicans are far more likely to win elections if we stand on principle. Now, there are more liberal, if you will, or mainstream Republican members who don't want to get caught up in this. They may, for example, be in districts that are a little bit more, shall we say, may lean Democrat or be 50-50 and uh, more difficult to get reelected in. But then you get a guy like Matt Gates, who is, and this is, this is the fundamental truth of it, he comes from a very conservative district, and his constituents are holding his feet to the fire. He has to deliver the goods back to his constituents. He got elected on a promise to hold Republican Party leadership accountable. If he doesn't hold McCarthy accountable, he's toast. That's what's going on here. If anybody thinks that this is is Gates, you know, engaged in some sort of petty squabble, is completely missing the point. Now, Trump demonstrated something to us that is very important. He demonstrated that you can say the truth, you can articulate conservative ideas in 2016, in 2020, and now in 2023, and get a huge following. This platform is a winning platform. You know, Matt Gates is not there screaming for a national abortion ban. He's asking for a balanced budget amendment. That's what he wants. And I would tell you that a majority of the country, whether they vote Republican consistently or not, because I mean this to include a number of so-called independents, are behind him on that. So I'm, I'm going to take you through this today because I, I think— I think we have to understand that this is not like the European system where a small minority party is holding hostage the entire government. We are asking as a Republican party to stand for conservative principles because we believe those principles can win and can prevail. And, and, and doing lip service to constituents, promising them to be conservative, to be, for one, let's say, uh, judicious, when it comes to spending, and then to turn around in between elections and do none of it, that's unacceptable. And it's right to hold Republican Party leadership to account. So that's the context, okay? Now let me take it apart and go through the back and forth and and, and explain to you a little better than the other shows are doing today, to be perfectly honest, about what is actually going on behind the scenes. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust for your injury needs, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840. You're listening to The What's Right Show, your place for common sense, conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. 
tomorrow I'll be live and local uh, at the uh, uh, Greek Food Fest. Be there with Alan Stock. So look forward to uh, meeting you. Please come up and say hi. Uh, look forward to that very much. Now, all right, I want to give some lots to go over today, but I really do want to parse out this fight that's going on. I guess that's what we'll call it. Fight. It's it's boiling over between Matt Gates, who is a congressman from South Florida, and Speaker McCarthy. Now, a little bit of history here, if you'll recall. McCarthy, uh, well, it took more than one vote <laughs> to get him the speakership. And, and Gates was one of the last holdouts, and he had several conditions that were very straightforward that he articulated openly that he wanted met. There was a Freedom Caucus agenda that included, for example, a balanced budget that was very important to a number of congressmen and women, and they wanted to see to it that the speaker promised to make that happen. And ultimately, the fight settled. If you'll recall, when this was all going on, I was one of the few talk show hosts in the country talking about how this was good. Everybody else, every other so-called principled conservative was just droning on nonsense about how this is making Republicans look bad. Essentially, parroting points made by uh, all the nice people over there on MSNBC at Al. All right? And I'm saying this, listen, I'm saying this because it's of critical importance that we can't sacrifice for the sake of party unity our party principles. That's what this is about. So taking through the comments back and forth, for example, Matt Gates yesterday went on MSNBC's uh, Ari uh, Melber program. It's The Beat, I think is what it's called. Um, and, um, and he said a couple of things that were important. One, he said that the speakership deal isn't about impeachment. It's important, but it's not about impeachment. And this is an important uh, place to start, I think. Uh, of course, I think we need fulsome and robust oversight. And I do think that Joe Biden deserves impeachment. But that wasn't a part of the deal that we crafted in January. And it would be dishonest for me to represent that it was. We talked about balanced budgets, term limits, single subject spending bills. Those things have not happened. And frankly, a lot of my constituents mm -hmm. over the August break were asking me if I was really serious about the deal, being that we have not done nearly enough to enforce it. If you voted for your congressman to go to Washington and put forward a balanced budget amendment, term limits, single subject spending bills, which are those spending bills that say, okay, this is, we're going to fund X and not, we're going to fund X, Y, Z, Q, P, L, M, N, whatever. And also we're going to um, make this particular new law uh, a part of the, enter that into federal register right? That's what they like to do, like to bury stuff. So he says single subject bills. And if you voted for, if you voted for your congressman based on his promise to you that those things were going to get done, would you not be disappointed if he just rolled over and said, you know what, for the sake of party unity and decorum, and we don't want to get criticized by, you know, the Democrats for being in disarray, why don't we just, I'm just going to, I'm going to forget about all the promises I made. You would be incensed. 
Now, I don't have this problem here because where I live, here in Las Vegas, I have a Democrat representing me in Washington. But, you know, but I tell you, if I was in a district where I voted for somebody and they were turning their back on those promises, I would be pissed. So then Gates says last night on MSNBC that spending is the most important issue. Listen. What is most important to you and what would actually, in your view, affect the lives of the American people if you got any of these? No, undeniably, it would be the spending. I mean, we're about to hit the moment in time where we're going to run $2 trillion annual deficits at a time when much of the world is de-dollarizing from BRICS to the African Union to more energy being sold in the WAN with the new deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. So as the world de-dollarizes, I think that it's really dangerous for us to be running up these deficits. If Speaker McCarthy brought us individual spending bills uh, over the course of this initial year, he would not be facing uh, the challenge that he faces now from the those of us who believe he hasn't been honest. And this honesty, right, is, 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 is critical, right? Because it's all we have, the, the compact between the voter and the, and the, and the politician is, is fragile. So I think that this is, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's very clear. So then, then Melber asks him, okay, do you think that He's made it clear that Republicans are closer to impeaching Biden. Now, this I have to remind you, he's already Matt Gates has already come out and said that this is not the key issue. But I love what Gates says and how he throws cold water on it. Do you think he has made it clear that Republicans are closer to impeaching Biden? Further no, from no, it, he's never status do it. quo, no change. Yeah, I can peel back the curtain here. Kevin okay. McCarthy is going to advance an impeach, an actual impeachment on Joe Biden, a lot like he was going to advance an impeachment of Ali Mayorkas. Remember back in January of this year, he kept saying we were going to impeach Mayorkas and the people that were blocking his speakership were blocking the impeachment of Mayorkas. Well, once Kevin got power, all of that just went by the wayside. And I think you're witnessing the same gaslighting and the same illusion and the same mirage right here. He doesn't really mean it. He knows he broke the deal in January. He knows there are enough of us in the Republican conference who want to hold him to that deal. And so he's, he's throwing impeachment out like an ill-cast lure, and he has no real intent to follow through. By the way, if he did, we'd subpoena Hunter Biden. Like, if this was a serious effort, call it an inquiry, an impeachment, oversight, whatever you want. If you were really serious, you'd subpoena Hunter Biden, get answers. They're not serious. And that's why you see this failure theater in the absence of real accountability. Bingo. That's what this is. And so the impeachment inquiry that's been opened up, if you're going to take Gates's uh, sense of this, and, and look, I, I think, you know, I think based on what I'm hearing from my sources, that this is, this is very accurate, that you, you've got, they're throwing this impeachment inquiry, the illusion of impeachment out there as a means to quiet down conservative members, appease the base of the party without actually addressing the real concerns that were part of the compact made back when, when, uh, when Kevin McCarthy got the speakership, i.e. term limits and a balanced budget. So this is all this is all really important. Now when we come back, I'll play for you what Kevin McCarthy's response to all of this is. I think it's pretty weak sauce, but I'll let you be the judge. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Folks, I just I always enjoy our time together. I just have to tell you, it is so fun to be here. 
uh, during the week with you for a couple hours, just a little great break in the middle of my day. Get through all of this stuff. It's so important. There's so much going on. I'm so happy you're here. Be back in a moment, folks. Don't go anywhere. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Great to be with you tomorrow. One to three, I will be at the 50th anniversary celebration of the Las Vegas Greek Food Festival. This is at St. John the Baptist Greek Orthodox Church. It's on the corner of Hacienda and South Jones Boulevard. I just had a listener uh, email me, which you can do as well. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Telling me, reminding me that I needed to tell you all that there's a $10 uh, admission fee to the event. So just heads up, there is a $10 admission fee, uh, but uh, it's a fabulous event. I've done it now for a number of years. It's not even going to be this hot, too hot uh, tomorrow. I, I think last year or the year before was absolutely brutal. Uh, it was, we had this late summer bloom come in and was sweltering, but I think should be pretty nice tomorrow. So just hope to see you there. And, uh, and yeah, I'm going to have Alan Stock on. We're going to do the show together. Uh, Lieutenant Governor will be there. It's going to be a great time. Okay. Well, listen, uh, well, this fight between Gates, Matt Gates, Republican Florida, and his boss, Kevin McCarthy, he, well, boss, he's, McCarthy is responsible for shepherding through an agenda that's going to get Republicans reelected. I, I, I don't know how else to put it. So being Democrat light isn't going to get the job done. Now, I yesterday, in talking about impeachment, I said, that I'm, I'm worried that it's, you know, I don't believe in performative exercises. So I, I, you know, I stand by that. I think if, if, if the impeachment inquiry allows for Democrats, excuse me, Republicans to get more records, have greater subpoena power to the extent that it aids that effort, I'm all for it. But I don't think impeachment's the right thing to do, and I understand a number of Republicans uh, disagree with me on this. Uh, and again, if you missed yesterday's program, I get into it quite a bit. You can find, obviously, the podcast in all the usual places, Odyssey app, Spotify, or iTunes. Uh, so I, look, I, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, but I'm looking at this and I'm, and I'm saying the, the, the things that we really need is we need a balanced, balanced budget. We can't just keep voting for more debt. Year after year after year, we've got to live within our means. And this is something that Republicans, as well as independents, want. Okay, so to that end, right, here is Speaker McCarthy's response right at the end of his segment uh, with Sean Hannity on Fox News. The music, the out music starts in here at the end of the clip. 
And McCarthy gave this rather bizarre explanation for why Gates wants uh, to have him removed. Have a listen. He says he and others want individual appropriations bills, a balanced budget vote, and a term limit vote. Are those votes coming? Yeah, but we've been trying to do individual uh, appropriation bills. We tried one today, but the rule wouldn't pass. I don't think that's the real problem that Matt's most concerned about. Unfortunately, Matt had an ethics complaint against him in the last Congress. He thinks he can use this to try to influence. I'm never going to influence an independent committee. I'm only going to work for the American public and get the answers for them. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm at a complete loss. This sounds like such a weaselly thing to say. Oh, Matt Gates just wants me to, you know, quash an ethics inquiry into him. This is, this is nonsensical. So Gates responds to this uh, later that night and has this to say, because he gets asked about this, it's all about an ethics complaint. This is his response. He says he and all... My response is really going to surprise you. This is about term limits, a balanced budget amendment, and single subject spending bills, just like I've been saying for an entire year. I am the most investigated man in the entire Congress. I have never asked him to interfere in any ethics matter. I had the okay. FBI and DOJ who hate me investigate me for three years. You covered it nearly nightly, and even you acknowledged at the end that my denials held up consistently, and the people who spread lies about me are sitting in a federal prison right now because they were part of a criminal scheme, not me. Now, I heard a couple of conservative commentators here chuckle at this and, and say that this response was silly, in a matter of words. How is it silly? It's true. Remember when everybody was predicting Matt Gates' imminent demise? They were investigating him for human trafficking and gosh knows what else, and it all went nowhere. See, when an investigation by the FBI into a Trump-loving Republican goes nowhere, you can pretty much vouch for the fact that there was nothing there. Now, if an FBI investigation into a Hillary Clinton or uh, Obama or Biden-loving Democrat goes nowhere, you can ask questions. That's a fair statement, by the way, no? Wouldn't we all agree? So this is the right response. It's about the substance of the compact that was made between Republicans back in January and Kevin McCarthy to secure his speakership. There were conditions, and Republicans did something for the very first time that I, as a Republican voter, have wanted them to do, which is they went to leadership and say, our support of you is conditional. And if you don't perform, if you don't do the things that we want you to do, that you're promising us here that you will do, then we retain the power to dismiss you, to vote a vote of no confidence, to remove you from the speakership. And that power secured by McCarthy and other Freedom Caucus members now is raising its ugly head and and you have, you know, the, the Speaker of the House saying stupid things about Kevin McCarthy's, you know, he's got a, or excuse me, Matt Gates's ethics complaint that's being investigated. That's petty and cheap. And it's unbecoming of, of a leader of the Republican Party, you know, on Capitol Hill, to be perfectly blunt. Well, 
So the impeachment thing, I mean, okay, well, I, I'll get into that in a minute. Because by the way, McCarthy, Robbie, we need to, McCarthy spoke about impeachment yesterday. And he had a good clip. We don't have it here in our state. I'm going to go to break. We're going to find it. Because M- McCarthy's, McCarthy's an articulate guy. He's able to exact and explain what the issue is with the Bidens. The problem is, I, you know, again, I, there's more to life right now than impeachment. Because we know Biden's corrupt. We have to prove it. We want the evidence. We've got to put these subpoenas out there. We've got to get people deposed under oath. But make no mistake of it, one of the th- I'll get into it too. When we talk about Hunter Biden, it's all interconnected. Because their indictment of Biden, of Hunter Biden, excuse me, protects him essentially from testifying in the House inquiry. Because now he's under indictment, he's under investigation, and his legal team can, can, well, can refuse, obviously, given the pending criminal charges against him, can refuse to answer questions under oath in the House. They have greater power to duck this. So I, you know, that's my reading of what's going on with, with, with Hunter. But I'm more on that in a bit. Let's take a quick break. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust for your injury case because you deserve what's right. Welcome, friends. Sam Rachofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, truth teller, lawyer, political scientist, if you will, uh, figuring all this stuff out. Now, I wanted to play for you the exchange that McCarthy had yesterday with a AP reporter. This is absolutely uh, spot on, to be perfectly blunt with you. This, this is where McCarthy does shine. He's able to in- engage with the media. So this is so the, the reporter basically is telling him that this is all nonsense and there's no there there with the president. Listen to this exchange. What impeachment inquiry is to do is to get answers to questions. Are you concerned about all the stuff that was just recently learned? Do you have any concern? Have you asked the White House any questions? Yes. Okay. Do you believe the president lied to the American public when he said he'd never talked to his son about business dealings? Yes or no? It's all right. Yeah. I can you, you can't answer that? Do you believe when they said the president went on conference calls? Do you believe that happened? That's what the testimony says. Okay. Yeah. Do you believe the president went to Cafe Milano and had dinner with the, with the clients of Hunter Biden, who believes he got those clients because he was selling the brand? That's what the testimony says. Okay. Do you believe Hunter Biden, when you saw the video of him driving a Porsche, that he got $143,000 to buy that Porsche the next day? Do you believe the three million dollars from the Russian oligarch that was transferred to the shell companies that the Bidens controlled after the dinner from Cafe Milano took place? For the testimony. Okay, then I go back. Do you think the president lied that he? When but he is said, that an impeachable? Is lying an impeachable? Well, you want you want to know? I'm not saying impeachment. All I'm saying is I would like to know answer to these questions. And so would we all. But I love that he's taking the fight to the press because the press basically wanted to take the position that uh, the look, the, for example, I mean, this exchange with Jamie Raskin, who's a Democrat, Maryland, 
with MSNBC's Joy Reid on Tuesday after saying that he's ecstatic, basically, and so are his fellow Democrats. The Republican is, Party is doing this. The Republicans in Congress are pushing impeachment, that it's going to blow up in their faces, right? He says, you know, he starts out by saying crazy people who voted against impeaching Trump could vote for impeaching Biden. Imagine that real evidence of crimes. So Raskin says this, and then listen to Reed, listen to her smug. This is this is an MSNBC show. This, this is what we've got for journalists now. This is her smug response as to what this impeachment thing is all about. People who witnessed that, who voted against impeaching the president or against convicting the president, despite all of the powerful evidence that he had incited the insurrection, they voted no on that, but they're going to vote <laughs> yes to impeach Joe Biden for what? Nobody even knows what the charges are. <laughs> right. Nobody can even articulate what high crime and misdemeanor they think he's guilty of. Well, according to Fox, it's being in any way related to poor, sad Hunter Biden. Apparently, that is his crime, being his father and not despising him. I mean, according to Fox, it, it's going to be what a, what a time to be alive. What? What the hell is that? It's not, and by the way, this is where Matt Gates and Speaker McCarthy agree they certainly are both capable of answering that question what the there is there on the on the on the Biden impeachment inquiry so this is Gates explaining and answering in a way the question posed by Joy Reid on MSNBC on a separate program the beat with Ari Melber Gates says this is this an inquiry that's going towards impeachment if so what is the high crime or misdemeanor. The high crime or misdemeanor to me is bribery. I mean, when you've got Joe Biden participating in 16 meetings with Hunter Biden's business partners, and you can't even really call them that. They're just more like bribe payers because there was no business. And then to watch the White House shift its position pretty substantially from, I never talked to my son about his business deals to, well, I wasn't in business with my son. It's quite the tell that there's a lot going on here. Yep. And I also look at the government actions. Everybody talks about the bribes paid. But I look at what people got for those bribes. The Chinese were plowing in a lot of this money. And in exchange, in one of his first acts, Joe Biden dissolved the China initiative at the Department of Justice that President Trump had set up to go after Chinese malign influence. There you go. Pay to play. And it's influenced acts during during the Biden presidency, during his the term that he's currently in. I think that's fairly significant, don't you? And it certainly is a crime, a high crime and or a misdemeanor. In fact, it's a felony. So it's a violation of federal law and it's, you know, and if proven, it's, it's an impeachable offense. Now, I still go back to the fact that I am terrified, by the way, terrified of Kamala Harris coming in as the grand poobah of the country. You know who thinks, by the way, that, that Kamala Harris has got the chops? No one. That's right. No one. But while Pelosi got asked about Kamala Harris stepping up and being president or, or even remaining as vice president, Anderson Cooper last night, <laughs> you know, she's, she says people shouldn't underestimate Kamala Harris. I don't think she believes any of this. People shouldn't underestimate what Kamala Harris brings to the table. <laughs> but do you think she is the, the best running mate, though? 
She's the vice president of the United States. So when people say to me, well, why isn't she doing this or that? I said, because she's the vice president. That's the job description. You don't do that much. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know you, you, you're a, a source of strength, inspiration, intellectual resource, and the rest. And, you, and she, I think she's represented our country very well at home and abroad. What? What? Here's uh, just a little flavor of Kamala the Great. This election in November, it's going to be about our literally our health and whether we live or die. Thank you, guys. And my pronouns are she, her, and hers. So I decided I was going to start prosecuting parents for truancy. So would you ban offshore drilling? Yes. Do you ban plastic straws? I think we should. Assault weapons right. that are already in circulation. What do you do about those? It, we have to have a buyback program, and I support a mandatory buyback program. About Jesse Smollett. Calling the attack an attempted modern-day lynching. So I will say this about that case. I think that the facts are still unfolding. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. They make really bad decisions. Do you believe that Americans should have the right to vote at age 16? I'm really interested in having that conversation. Convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, on death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. When folks vote, they order what they want, and in this case, they got what they asked for. <laughs> now, why did I play a clip? I mean, there's a lot worse than out there of her saying really stupid stuff. You get an idea of what her politics are because we're, I think we're getting a little off track here because focusing on her saying stupid stuff, which is fun. But I'm telling you that she would be a disastrous president. So my response first and foremost on the subject of impeachment is go back to Kamala Harris in the Senate Senator from California, Kamala Harris, as Attorney General in California, which, by the way, she was surprisingly law and order for a Democrat, but all that went to the wayside when she ran for Senate and then, of course, when she ran for the presidency. Her pronouncements back in the 2020 election, so 2019, were, were, were I mean, she was a, she's a total leftist freak, and she's dumb as a rock. Being a leftist person who is also idiotic is a terrible combination. I would take, I, I'm telling you folks, I'd take Biden all day long over Kamala Harris. Trust me on this. It's not an endorsement of Biden. It's just a, a, a real concern and condemnation of, of Kamala. So that's, you know, when I'm looking at this, when I'm looking at this uh, question of, of impeachment, I, I'm, 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 I, again, and I'll, I said it yesterday, I want to see everything documented. I think of this process in, in, in lawyer terms, right? When we, we as lawyers get prepare a case for trial, we go through and we get everybody, we get all the evidence lined up. We get everybody who has an opinion or, or is an, a percipient eyewitness, we get their testimony in deposition, we get it reduced to a transcript where they have stated their position, stated the facts as they perceive them under oath. And we put all of that together and we know exactly where we're going. This is why when lawyers get to trial, if they're good lawyers, you know, they, there's no surprises. Because everything is absolutely buttoned down and straight. And what I want to see is I want to see us basically work this thing up as if there was an impeachment. 
as if there was a trial, have all the evidence out there. It'll come up right against the election. If the guy's stinking carcass is still hanging around, I mean this to mean Joe Biden, well, then hit him with it politically. Make this ruin his day. Let's have Trump use this to beat him over the head. Let's make sure every voter sees it. And we could do that, a well-run campaign. And I'm talking, too, about the, you know, in Congress. This could mean a wave of Republican support. But, of course, you know, you're saying, well, the media is not going to go with it. By the way, um, I I think it's going to get harder and harder to ignore. So what are the Democrat responses? More on that here, because, again, I tell you, likelihood of Joe being the nominee goes down by the day. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, back after this. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, friends, here I am, Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Ooh, just uh, on a quick call with... um, contact of mine here regarding the data breach here. Uh, Vegas, of course, those of you who are listening out of town, maybe not aware that the strip has been brought to its knees by a series of uh, coordinated attacks, but maybe coordinated. It seems they all struck at once, so maybe coordinated. Russian hackers now being uh, mentioned as the potential source of this. Now, here on the What's Right show, uh, look, I, I, I don't speculate on stuff unless I know exactly what's going on. I, my first sense is, uh, first off, is that since it was, you know, a, uh, I, we first heard it was MGM, right? So that's one property. Now I'm hearing Caesars has a problem. The RJ is reporting, what were they today? That's really frightening. A driver's license and social security numbers are copied. The Caesars has reported to the SEC. So this is obviously what I sort of predicted when I was on with Alan Stock Tuesday morning when I said that the, you know, the the exposure that the casinos have, these companies have is um, is potentially, uh, you know, compromising customer data and sensitive information, and that will expose them to uh, potentially to uh, to damages and lawsuits. I, you know, I, I, when it hit Caesars too, I thought, well, is there some joint software out there that some common software that is used across all of these properties that was you know, where a, a, a vulnerability was exploited, thus exposing, right, not just MGM properties, but, but op- properties operated by other uh, groups. And my contact was just telling me that that's not the case, that this was a breach of apparently of some VPNs. These are protected portals into uh, mainframe computers that uh, run businesses, including, quite frankly, mine. Those things have to be locked down really well. And one of the things is it, we're increasing the use of VPNs now because of all this remote work. Now, this here, okay, this, again, I, I am, I'm not saying that this happened because of remote work. I am just telling you a fact that a lot more VPN use uh, exists now because people are working remotely. And what your VPN allows you to do is to 
basically operate through a secure, we'll call it a secure direct line through the internet right into the server of your host company. And in order for people to access, for example, our server, when we had remote work during the pandemic, we had to expand dramatically our VPN use. Now now we have it limited, you know, here at the law firm, we have it limited to just a handful of people, a very sort of as needed basis, and it's mega locked down. But you can imagine a company that has thousands and thousands of employees and maybe hundreds of them working remotely. And when I say remote, not just people working in their homes, but people working in different offices, right? They have locations of some of them international, right? So they're, they're using these connections to securely get to shared assets uh, that, are, that are on servers. And, and so this, this apparently was what was exploited. So people are experiencing problems getting into their rooms. I read an account of somebody trying to, who had checked into the Luxor. They lost their room key. They could not even be given a new room key. Every time they went to their room, they had to be escorted up the stairs by security. What a nightmare in properties that have thousands and thousands of rooms. I, anyway, that's what's going on. And the you know, social, social security numbers, because these casinos, some of these casinos have a, a lot of information on people. Right, I mean, if they're, well, you have to give them the social if there's a, a payout, right? Uh, I can't recall off the top of my head, producer Robbie, you might know what the, you know, what the amount is, but it's fairly low. The reporting threshold that that the IRS, you know, gets a little taste of your winnings, and and for that to happen, they need your tax ID number, they need your social. So there are thousands, maybe millions, of socials that the casinos have accumulated over time every time they've made a payment to a winner. So if that's compromised, I mean, frick, right? That's a big deal. And so people are going to be, there are people are going to be affected by this, no doubt. Hopefully this can get sorted out and Russian hackers, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's Russian hackers. We just, you know, I love when anybody, we, we need a boogeyman, so it's the Russians. The Russians. <laughs> Never forget, from the same people that brought you Donald Trump in 2016, it's the Russians. Now, guess who brought Donald Trump to the airwaves recently? None other than Megyn Kelly. And I, yes, he was on her serious radio program yesterday. And I went and I looked at a bunch of articles about this as I was examining the commentary surrounding this. And no one is really writing to me what I think would, would be the obvious, like, let's look at this. Didn't Trump and Megyn Kelly have a little bit of a fight in the 2016 election? Do I not, do I not have this right? <laughs> well, remember when he said, ah, oh, what was it? Something about her bleeding out from everywhere. And he was, oh my goodness, it was the one and only time that the left came to the defense of poor Megyn Kelly. By the way, Megyn Kelly has really blossomed, I think, in a lot of ways since she's left Fox. Uh, she's, her show's good. I, I, I think she's a really good journalist, asks great questions. I'm a fan. I'm going to just say that. 
So I love that both of them got over whatever it was and had an actually a really nice sit down and a good Q&A. Now, one of the key things that came out from this is Trump. Uh, well, I'll get to that in a moment. She, you know, she presses Trump on the on the Fauci thing, which I, of course, am also critical of. But first, she asked him about Biden. Trump on Biden. Is Biden too old? And here's Trump's answer. Seventy seven percent of Americans say that Joe Biden at age 80 is too old to be president. Are yeah. they right? No, not not for the reason of old, because I have many friends that are in their 80s. I have friends, Bernie Marcus, that are in their 90s and they're sharp as a tack. Just, I mean, I would say just about what they used to be. Uh, no, not old. He's incompetent. Age is interesting because some people are very sharp and some people do lose it, but you lose it at 40 and 50 also. Uh, but uh, no, he's not too old at all. He's uh, grossly incompetent. You look about at some him, of the great. Age. You look at some of the great world leaders. They were in their 80s, and they did. I mean, Churchill. So many people. Uh, they were phenomenal in their 80s. You know, there's a great wisdom if you're if you're not uh, in a position like him. But if you go back 25 years, he wasn't the sharpest tech either. Yeah, well, can I point out the obvious? Trump can't say uh, that he thinks Joe Biden is too old because Biden's only a smidge older than Trump. If, if you know, that would be the obvious gotcha. So Trump cannot accede to that. But if you've listen to this program for any amount of time, you know that I agree with him 100%. I mean, you couldn't get rid of, if, if you made age the threshold for competency, how would that solve, say, a guy like Fetterman, who's lurking, or if you prefer, lurching around the Senate, uh, talking absolute gibberish because he's got a brain condition. He had a stroke, and he has not come back from it. Age is not the problem. Bernie Marcus, by the way, the founder of Home Depot, really bright guy, absolutely cogent, smarter than, you know, smarter than 100 randomly selected Americans put together, all right? I would take Bernie Marcus's brain over my brain today. So that's, it's a fair point. So then... You know, Megan Kelly gets into the Fauci thing, which I'm going to talk. I'm going to share that with you here when we come back. But the age thing, by the way, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi got asked if Biden's going to run, if he's going to be the nominee. Is Biden too old? That kind of thing. I need to share that response with you as well. See, it's getting interesting, folks. Lots of moving pieces and parts. But I also have a comment generally on Trump, a positive observation that keeps coming back to me that I really want to share with you. Don't go anywhere. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. All right, Nancy Pelosi gets asked if Biden's the right person to be the nominee in 2024. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. One thing to understand is Pelosi's a consummate politician. Consummate politician. All right, let's bring down the music because I I have to say this. She's, well, she's very good at this. And even she chuckles at the end, which is something that women 
and even some men do when they're nervous about giving an answer. <laughs> this is why Kamala Harris is always laughing like a, like a deranged hyena because she's nervous about every answer that she gives. So here's the exchange. While there may be some concerns, everybody's for him. Overwhelmingly, everybody's for him. Do you think there's any chance he does not continue running? I hope not. I hope not. I mean, this president... David has, Ignatius recently came out saying he, he thinks the former president should not run. Yeah, so that's one. <laughs> um, I mean, they're all thinking it. They've got concerns, right? They're talking about the age. That's the context of this interview last night on CNN with Anderson Cooper. So, you know, they're blaming it. Ignatius, of course, David Ignatius is the columnist and writer uh, for the Washington Post. And his column that came out yesterday evening, excuse me, two days ago. So uh, what are we now? Thursday, for Tuesday night. His column hit caused a bit of kerfuffle. We covered it extensively here on the What's Right Show. I'm giving it as an example, right, as something I predicted that the whisper campaign would take full force the, the more that de Democrats feared that Biden wasn't going to be able to get this thing across the finish line. Now, some of this had to do with his really awful stutterings and nonsense that he was saying at the press conference in Vietnam on Sunday. But I think a lot of it, too, has to do with the impeachment inquiry. How much longer can they keep saying there's nothing there? What crime? What crime? Uh, bribery? Could it be that? So you just can't. Now, the effort to continue to deny this is crazy. So I, you know, this, this is, this kind of stuff right now is, is, is percolating there. And this is why Megyn Kelly asked Trump is, is you know, is, is Biden too old? And Trump, of course, answers and saying, yeah, it's not too old. It's not an age problem. It's just, he's terrible. And I'm willing to go with that. I, although, in, in, again, it, I'm not for capping uh, politicians off at a certain age limit. I'm going to stick to what's in the Constitution, what our founders intended. Okay, there's a there's a means for which to get rid of somebody on the basis of incapacity. So, we'll leave it at that. So it's it's just it's 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 problematic. So he answered that question well. Then Megyn Kelly, and I love this about her. I think I mentioned. Just before the break, you know, Trump went on her radio show yesterday on Sirius. And, you know, and, 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 and Megan is a consummate professional. And she's been telling people for years now she doesn't care about the, the Trump feud. She's beyond it. She doesn't hold it against him. And she's one of the few people out there who really objectively is able to report on Trump. Because you either get people that are super fans of Trump's or you get people who are uh, just deranged, right, Trump haters. Republicans and Democrats alike, right? And, 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 and it's, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, both sides are, are bananas, right? You have to be objective. So uh, Megyn Kelly asks him about Fauci, which is, yes, I'm so glad she asked this because oh, that is just a stain, in my view, on Trump's presidency. Trump elevating Fauci to the face of the coronavirus pandemic response. 
Uh, this is the exchange. Not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions yeah. of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way. You yeah. made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task. You think so? That he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Mm, wouldn't you like a do-over on that? So, um, what do you think Trump's answer was? Well, here it was. Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Well, presidential I commendation. One went out to Mark Somebody Miller, probably too. handed him a commendation. He probably, but let me just tell you about Fauci. Fauci was very important in the Biden administration, much less important. If you know, he didn't want to stop China. He wanted to let everyone come in from China. I stopped it. I overrode it. I overrode many of the things he did. He was much less important to me. Okay, let, let me just say this. Trump is lying, okay? And that's fine. I know, his, I know he's lying. You know he's lying. He's just lying. That's fine. He's, this is a, he's got to gloss over this Fauci thing. Now, I have no doubt that he's learned from it in the context of what it is to be dealing with these deep state losers. But I want to talk about this presidential commendation business because I am convinced that Trump is one of Trump and his presidency was convinced that he could win these guys over. He was convinced that if he gave Mark Milley and 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 Fauci little medals and 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 glad handed them that that they would they would develop fealty to him in business you know you do business with people you give them a contract let's say or you give them an opportunity and you know you build alliances through that and he felt he could do that by handing out the perks of his office now that might work for democrats but when you're dealing with ideologues and fanatics like mark milley like fauci it's not going to get you anywhere. In fact, it's going to blow up in your face. And I, that's the lesson I, I, you know, the answer I want Trump to give is, first off, by the way, pro tip, if you're the leader, you never say, I don't know who did that. Even if you don't know who did it, you just sound like you're not in charge. So you say, I did that. Terrible decision on my part. I, I you know, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I tried I tried to win the guys over with this. Boy, did I learn. I'll tell you what, when I'm back in the White House, I'm not taking any prisoners. So, you know, th this is, um, you know, this is, th that, that's, that's, that's what, you know, that, that's what I think, you know, should have, you know, should have happened. That's how I would have handled it. Now, you know, there's a... Well, there's there's a there's a there's a better response, right? And it, it gives a better COVID answer, except for the Florida part here, in the interview. Uh, listen to this on COVID. If you know what I did, I let the governors run their states, and many of the governors uh, opened up their states. Some of them didn't. Florida, that, by the way, true. Florida, by the way, was closed. Uh, but if you take a look at Henry McMaster, he had his state, uh, South Carolina, open. Uh, you take a look at uh, South Dakota, take a look at Tennessee. A lot of the states were not closed. And I allowed, it's the federalist system. I allowed the governors to do that. I also allowed Democrat governors to do that, but I don't think any of them, none of them did it. 
So he's got to hit Florida because of DeSantis. Fine, fine, fine. I got it. But here's my comment about Trump generally. I don't know if you've noticed this, but he's coming across really good. I mean, he's got this elder statesman thing going right now. He's less combative. He's a lot more mellow. He's very grounded. He's not saying crazy things. I mean, he's you know, tossing a lie or two out there, but fine. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is, but he's, he's good. And I think it's, I don't, you know what? I, I, I will see just as I say this, he may pivot and do something wild, but it's a new kind of Trump and I like it. And I think it's, I think it can win. So that's, you know, I, I'm telling you, I've seen, I sense a pivot. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Injury law will continue after this. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamandAshLaw.com. All right, I promised I would get to it. Hunter Biden, the gun charges, blah, blah, blah. Who's, um, who thinks that this is serious? Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT, The What's Right Show is on. Look, uh, Hunter Biden, this is, one, this is the most glaring, obvious, can I say smoking gun? <laughs> Crime that he obviously committed. We know the man was cracked out of his mind. There's videos of him doing illicit drugs. He signed a form to buy a gun for a background check. The federal form, we all sign it when we purchase firearms. Says, are you on any illicit drugs? He said, no, he lied. Under penalty of perjury, there are consequences for putting false information on that form. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. There it is, done. A first-year law student could prosecute this case and obtain, at bench trial, a conviction. Okay, maybe second year you need some evidence. Know how to admit. I admit the form and evidence. Mr. Biden, did you, in fact, sign this form? Yes. Is the date correct? Yes. Okay. <laughs> is, this a, is this a video of you smoking crack? <laughs> I rest my case. Why am I laughing about this? Well, let me tell you. Because the uh, special counsel here, uh, David Weiss, who I have to remind you again and again is the former uh, prosecutor there in Delaware who has been slow walking this whole thing, who was aware of this from the beginning and was stymied and blocked by the DOJ from doing anything about it, is now having to charge this because if he doesn't, I mean, it's, it's indefensible. Now, one, it's indefensible. Two, I want to point out another thing. This is something, this is a charge that in no way implicates Papa Joe. Why is that significant? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that they don't want Joe Biden brought into any of this. They don't. The tax stuff, the reason that they're going to give him a sweetheart deal on the tax stuff is by letting him off, Hunter Biden off, the tax stuff. 
the tax violations. They're also letting everybody else off. You think Joe Biden declared on his taxes the bribe money he was getting from from Hunter? You think he declared on his taxes the money, the things that Hunter Biden was buying for him? The gifts, the inner family transfers, whatever you want to call them, the payoff money from from Rose Mossack. Nobody's saying any of this, right? I'm so surprised. Day in and day out, you listen to the media and they talk about this thing. And nobody says, well, okay, if even the Republicans, if, if Joe Biden was getting this money, did he declare that on his taxes? Is tax cheating a high crime and misdemeanor? Um, I would argue yes, but okay. So they want to keep this all away from him. So this doesn't implicate Joe Biden. And the other thing that it does is it opens up an actual honest-to-goodness charge, criminal charge, against Hunter Biden, which allows him to, uh, well, Hunter Biden can refuse to testify or give testimony on, on, on Fifth Amendment grounds anytime he wants, whether he's under indictment or not. So I need to be very precise in my language. It actually allows something else. It allows for the DOJ to not be brought in because now they can say there's not only an active investigation, there's an active prosecution. And it prevents it prevents any of the DOJ from, from being hauled in by the Republicans to testify in the, you know, on the Capitol. So this is, I, I still perceive this to be on every level a defensive move, if that makes sense. Now, uh, the people are commenting that they're overcharging this. Certainly, they, they are overcharging this. It's sort of like how they overcharged against all the J6 protesters. And it's a brilliant move because now they say, we're really throwing the book at Hunter. But this stuff is, this stuff is nothing. Where's the FARA indictment? Guy was actively bagging cash from foreign entities. Didn't register as a foreign agent. Where's that? The proof is already there. They've got the tax returns. They know where the money came from. They real, I mean, I mean, could that be next? So I'm going to be much more excited about stuff as it gets closer to Joe Biden. And I do, yes. Um, what's my perception of this? Um, well, this is just the first salvo. Now, everybody here, trust me when I say this, no one, and I mean no one at the DOJ, wants to do any of this. They are dragging their heels an independent counsel, my A money money, okay? This guy independent. This guy lied to Republicans on the Hill. This guy, uh, David Weiss, told Republicans on the Hill that, you know, that he was, that he, he was never told by anybody at the DOJ to slow play anything, that he had full power to do whatever he needed to do to get Hunter Biden indicted. And then we have multiple witnesses who are in the room where he threw his hands up allegedly, exasperated that the C-suite at the DOJ was preventing him from doing anything that he needed to do. I'm sorry. I'm going to believe the testimony of independent witnesses, some of whom are registered Democrats, one of which is literally a gay Democrat, 
a supporter, if in fact the Bidens and of Obama and of Clinton and all the stuff, okay? I'm going to take their word that it went down the way it went down. So, um, so that David Weiss, you know, David is a good one because the thing is that they're all dirtied by this. They're all touched by all this stuff. They're all implicated because they covered and covered and covered up. It's the cover-up now. It's not even about the original crime anymore. So the fact that they have to charge him on this and that there may be a resulting a trial um, is, is interesting. Um, and I, you know, and, 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 and what of it? I mean, I, you know, there, I mean, there's going to be some kind of a plea deal eventually. But the effort to slow roll this into the election is all about getting through the election. And it's all about also a deep, and I'm telling you, a deep fear that all these guys have at the FBI, at the DOJ, and even some of the, maybe some of the folks that participated in the cover-up at the IRS. That's Treasury Department, not, not, not the Justice Department. Worried that the more testimony that comes out that shows that they were covering up for Joe, covering up for Hunter, that in fact this now is going to make them, put them in a legally precarious position. So I think that, again, I think the context for all of the latest is Joe Biden to old nonsense is a real fear that this is going to blow into the open. How funny, and I don't believe in coincidences when it comes to Washington, how funny that David Ignatius, a very well-connected politico, writing for the Washington Post, uh, well, well, certainly very well-known bedfellow of the Democratic Party, writes his piece just as this indictment, two days before this indictment comes down. It's a setup. Of course it's a setup. And it's designed to create pressure on Biden to get the hell out of Dodge. Now, I want to say something here real fast because it's, I forget to say this from time to time. On a human level, of course, I understand that it is terrible to have a child. I don't care if it's a grown-ass man, a child of yours dealing with substance abuse. I've listened to the phone calls between the recordings, you know, or the voicemails left to Hunter when he was going in through his drug fits and Joe Biden calling him. It's heartbreaking. But I also understand that Joe Biden must have been freaking the hell out knowing that he was politically exposed and had placed his faith and, and done dirty things with a guy who was going off the rails. If you've got a... Uh, well, a criminal co-conspirator, and you know what you're doing is dirty as all hell, and that co-conspirator starts doing an enormous amount of drugs and losing their mind, you know, I, I, you start to get worried. Trust me on this. So I'm just, wow, I'm just, I'm just pointing something out that's important to, to put into context. Yes, of course. When the Democrats say, oh, oh, it's just all Joe Biden is doing is caring for his son. 
Joy Reid at MSNBC, according to Fox, being related to poor, sad Hunter Biden's a crime. <laughs> How dare Joe Biden not despise his own son? <laughs> That's not what this is about. We all sympathize with the struggle and the challenges and the, oh, the sheer desperation that must come from having a child that is drug-addled. I get it. But imagine being, <laughs> it's not just your son. It's somebody who is affecting a conspiracy to commit bribery. And that person's going off the rails. And yes, ultimately, Joe's fear for his son was not misplaced. Because it was Biden's, as Hunter's uh, drug-addled state that led him to leave the ill-fated laptop, you know, and, and, and forget about it which ultimately led to all this being blown wide open. And we knew it all before the election, folks. Never forget this. And it was the DOJ, it was the FBI that did played interference on all of this. They went and they went out and said, oh, this is Russian disinformation. The, the, all the 50, the 50 people in the, Oh my God, intelligence, I can't even say it, intelligence professionals that signed that letter. The Secret Service that went in to try to find the gun and, 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 and you, you guys, the level of engagement here to cover all this up by the deep state is huge. And now they're crapping a brick and rightly so. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, you're listening to The Woods Right Show. All right, enough about politics, something else. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT, The What's Right Show, your place for, well, <laughs> the truth. And let me tell you something about objective truth, which is like salt on a snail if you're a Democrat. It's not healthy to be fat. Dove, the soap... Uh, manufacturer has partners with a has partnered with a discredited Black Lives Matter activist to promote fat liberation. That's <laughs> this is a gal, by the way, who was accused of wrongfully getting a white student expelled from her university over a misheard remark. Her name is Diana Bryant, University of Virginia. And she made an announcement on her Instagram saying that she is a Dove ambassador. Now, I'm looking at a picture of her. She's 22 years old, and she looks like a tub of lard. That's my objective assessment of this lady. She also is manifestly unhealthy. Now, this pro-fat campaign, this... I guess body positivity movement is insane. What we ought to be telling kids that it is not healthy. It is not healthy to be overweight. It's not good for your heart. It's not good for your pulmonary system. It's not good for your lungs. It's not good on your knees, your joints, your spine. And it's not good for the people that sit next to you on a Southwest flight. If I can add that to my list of grievances. I, I think I mentioned that on Monday I was flying back from Florida and I 
you know, I love Southwest and, um, and I'm, I'm waiting there in my, in my A boarding group and the, you know, the whole wheelchair brigade comes by, right? All the, you know, all the people now, some of them, no doubt need the assistance, but there are some people who, who appear to me, look, appear to be quite able-bodied. They're just enormous. And I saw this one lady and, you know, her, her child is eating a snack. And the snack is a can, full-size can of Pringles. Now, that's not a snack. That's not a good, healthy food choice. A, a, the kid's just wolfing down fistfuls of Pringles. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Pringles. Pringles are not the problem. Problem is a parent who thinks, people who think, who do not understand what is, what is healthy food. What is real food? That kid should be having a nice bag of carrots. And you don't even have to put a lot of effort into that. You can buy a giant bag of baby carrots at the grocery store and, and divvy it up and put it into smaller baggies. And, 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 and that's a perfectly good snack. That's what I give my kids or some nuts, maybe some almonds. I don't know, but not a giant can of potato chips. The girth of our nation is happening because instead of correcting bad choices, which are decisions, this is not hereditary, although, of course, some people are more predisposed to gain weight than others. It's largely diet-based. And also a function of the fact that kids are now encouraged to sit at home on couches playing video games instead of going out and running outside. We made our daughter recently, or... 12, almost 13-year-old joined the cross-country team at her school. And I, I can tell you right now, unequivocally, that she is a different person running three to four days a week. Different person. Because getting up and moving and off your butt, particularly when you're young, is good for you. And it's also good for you when you're older. This is a quote from Bryant, who is 22 years old, looks like Jabba the Hutt, and is saying this, quote, So when I think about what fat liberation looks like to me, I think about centering the voices of those who live in and who maneuver through spaces and institutions in a fat body. Yeah, I think about that too. Every time I'm sitting on the gosh damn airplane and I see a giant mountain of a human being moving down the aisle, and I think, I feel bad. Not just for me potentially having to sit next to you, I'm sorry, but I also feel bad for, for you and your health. And then I think about the fact that you're probably the same person screaming that your health insurance ought to be paid for by society. And then I just get mad because you want all of us to not just tolerate your life choices, your poor life choices, you want us to subsidize them too. Folks, it's, the world is upside down. And you know what? This probably, this little segment here is going to get me into massive trouble, but so be it. I, 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 enough. You cannot call this okay. Now, I'm not suggesting that we be cruel to people, but, but, but encouraging and tolerating the idea of this being celebrated as some sort of um, acceptable and, and 
and, 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 and positive life choice is completely absurd. We have lost our common sense. And because here on the What's Right Show, we celebrate common sense. We are, of course, um, well, we're, of course, uh, going to call this out. I want to say it's a little side note. You know, her Black Lives Matter shtick was failing, right? Black Lives Matter is getting roundly discredited. Her takedown of a white student blew up in her face, unfortunately for her, really unfortunately for the student that was unfairly targeted by her. So she's coming up with a new shtick. And her shtick is, look at me, I'm fat. Celebrate me, because I eat a lot. And that's the thing that we have here, folks. We have people who don't want to do anything productive. They don't want to contribute to society. They just want to find a way to scam on whatever the latest fad is. It's very important that they be called out and shamed for it. Not not for being fat, but for pushing this kind of absolute nonsense on us. This has such an effect on our kids. I think about young people that are, you know, I mean, yeah, this is, let's celebrate her for pushing today's kids to have shorter lives. What kind of insanity is this? All right, folks, tomorrow I'll be there at the Greek Food Fest. Yes, Food Festival. I'll be there one to three. Admission is 10 bucks. Come on down. Come see me. Come say hi. I'll be on with Alan Stock. That's right. I will be stuffing my face full of Greek food. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, over and out.